Okay, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Public Works Committee meeting uh, Thursday, July 9th, 2020. Uh, the Tumwater Public Works Committee meeting will be held remotely in compliance with Governor Jay Inslee's Stay Home, Stay Healthy order. Um, the council members will participate in the meeting remotely through an online web-based meeting platform. So here we are today. Um, we'll go ahead and take um, roll call. Um, so we have Michael Althauser and uh, uh, council member Charlie Schneider joining us this morning, as well as myself, uh, council member Ida Swarthout. All right, so here we go. So, is there anything else? So we just go ahead and jump into the agenda then? Uh, Madam Chair, let's go ahead and jump in. We have no other changes. Okay. All right. So the first um, item on our agenda today is an action item for the 2020 pavement maintenance. Um, and we'll be hearing from Mary Heather Ains. Okay, good morning. I'm here, as you said, to talk about the 2020 pavement maintenance project. We're looking for authority to solicit bids and subsequently award the contract. This project is uh, funded through the Transportation Benefit District and you heard from me recently, Tuesday, about the Transportation Benefit District. Um, it's a specific revenue source to fund preservation and maintenance for streets and we leveraged that as match for federal funding on the citywide NHS resurfacing project which was super exciting. And then on top of that, the reduced match requirements that came about as a part of COVID-19 uh, freed up nearly $400,000 so we can now accomplish even more. And in keeping with the TBD's goals, we have selected two locations that are in need of our attention. And these locations have been selected for their level of deterioration in the pavement surface. And we've selected the method of treatment um, in keeping with that level of deterioration. And these photos show what we're working with. Uh, the upper uh, right hand photo is an actual photo from uh, Kreitz Street, which we'll talk about in a moment. And then below that is one from uh, Crosby Boulevard. So the, the method of treatment that we've selected is a mill and overlay, sometimes called grinding and paving. Uh, but basically we go through, uh, we grind up the pavement to give us a fresh surface and then put some new hot mix asphalt on top. So these locations are both in the northwest portion of our city. You can see 101 there in the top right corner of this map for your reference. Uh, while Kreitz is a longer portion of road, uh, the Crosby Barnes area will be a little more labor intensive. So let's see, I, this, um, this is the Crosby Barnes area where we're looking at the intersection and then moving north on Crosby and then this is the um, Kreitz portion, which I think uh, we don't necessarily drive on a lot um, just in our passenger vehicles, but there are plenty of trucks who use this road regularly. So a little further detail about our first location, the Barnes Boulevard intersection with Crosby Boulevard and then north on Crosby. We've got 
Um, here we've got some failures that are mostly at, it appears, seams that were, um, or joints, like where the pavement abutted when it was installed. Um, but it's, it's gotten far enough along that, that it's spreading to the rest of the road and it's time to take care of it. And so as long as we're there, we're looking at um, coordinating and I'm showing you this photo not or this uh, drawing not to get into the detail really but to illustrate how we're coordinating this location uh, to the so this is shown with uh, north to our right and um, to the top of this or to the west um, there is there are uh, a couple developments there apartment buildings you're probably familiar and as part of that they're being required to make some modifications to this intersection and there'll be a mini roundabout so um, since that work is happening we are going to do our work shortly thereafter to um, to give it a, a, a finished feeling and to take care of this while there's uh, some I suppose nexus is the right word our next location is Kreitz, and um, this this area is surprisingly, it looks really bad in the pictures, but the ride when you're driving it is quite smooth, that we're not getting rutting, um, which indicates that the base has not failed here. So this is like, this is just a really great project to go in scrape off the top layer and put in fresh and this will this will last us for another long time um i was i was excited about this project um and it has an element of coordination as well this uh, illustrates the importance of communication because at a recent meeting we were talking about stormwater dan smith was talking about a stormwater um report uh, the motman industrial area uh, basin evaluation. And in looking at it, we realized that there's a pipe here and it's shown in red. Um, do you see my cursor here? Yes. Yeah. So um, this needs to be just actually this portion from here to here, I believe, needs to be upsized from a 12 inch to an 18 inch. So this is our perfect opportunity to get that work done. Uh, we can include it in the project and accomplish something overall that way we're not paying for um, pavement repair after doing the uh, pipe replacement and we're also saving on getting a contractor out there instead of paying twice for them to mobilize so uh, the the estimated cost for this project is five hundred and eighty five thousand dollars we're we're thinking it's in the range of like five fifty to six ten somewhere in there um, there there are costs of course that we need to think about other than uh, the dollars there's the traffic impacts um, but we'll be working to minimize those and keep the people and the goods uh, moving that use these streets every day. We're working to get this project put together as quickly as possible for completion this fall. Uh, your approval today will allow us to advertise for bids, then take the results to council for award and signature by the mayor, um, and then get to work on the visible portion of the project. 
So this morning we're asking that you consider authorizing staff to solicit bids for construction of the 2020 pavement maintenance pro project and recommend that city council award and authorize the mayor to sign a public works contract with the lowest responsive responsible bidder. And I'm happy to discuss or talk about it any, anything you'd like. I have a question. Um, does the estimated cost, that includes both areas of the project, both barns and crates, is that right? That's, that's correct, yes. Okay. Um, and the barns area, it has a little more um, fussy work involved, so the cost is a little higher per area there. Um, the crates is more of a long straight shot, so it's a little lower cost, but together I think we can get a better price overall. I have a question about then with the, the timing of the um, proposed um, traffic circle that they're putting there at the apartments. So will that be part of this whole project? Is that, or is that anything they were moving forward with that yet? Is that? My understanding is that it is moving forward. And what we'll be trying to do is uh, coordinate so that we're there right after they're done doing the um, curbs and sidewalk work that they're doing so that we can we can move in right after that and have the fresh pavement to go with it. So do we know when they're going to start? Because you can tell I've been walking up there and I noticed that the, the second phase of the apartments are um, they've taken the trees down so it looks like they're getting prepared to start construction in that for the second phase um, and the lower ones aren't completed yet so I don't believe that they're you know they're not going to be occupied but anyway I'm just curious what the timing of the my, yeah, my understanding is that they are moving forward and, and that's one of the reasons that we're trying to move forward quickly as well is to keep pace with them. Mm -hmm. um, we've gotten the plans from their engineer so that we can make sure that our plans match and don't end up mm -hmm. uh, doing something out of line. So what will be the timing of ours then? When we, uh, are we looking at next year then for this project or what is your expectation? It would be this fall. This um, fall, okay. Yes. That's good to know. Yeah, there's a, we have that crosswalk that's supposed, there's, there's that place down before you go down Somerset, there's a, a mm -hmm. pedestrian area. Will that be affected by the, will that be taken out or? No, we'll be stopping short of that. Um, okay. We would, Eventually, I believe we'll have a project that goes all the way to Irving, but um, at, at this point, if we tried to do that, we would end up with a whole bunch of pedestrian um, and intersections that, that would add scope to the work and not be able to really get tackled mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. so. I have a question, Mary. Uh, what's the timeline on this? Uh, how long is this gonna disrupt traffic and such? Um, paving, in general is a pretty quick process. There are usually a couple days of um, the grinding process that, that can affect traffic, but you can be driving on it once it's ground, that kind of thing. And then the, the paving itself is usually a day or two, um, you know, doing, doing uh, one lane and then the other, or if, if the contractor decides to, um, coordinate it, but it's not um, it's not like a utility project where the road might be torn up for weeks kind of a thing. 
even for the crites section where we have to put a new pipe in? That, um, luckily that's one crossing. So I imagine okay. that that would not add a ton of time to the project, but it will be something to coordinate because every time I've been out there, there's semi trucks um, going, they go down mm -hmm. to 29th. There is 29th, however, which is mm -hmm. a, a possibility for rerouting them as needed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are we gonna send notices to the businesses in that area? So they're aware of the work? Um, I haven't been through construction here in Tumwater, but in uh, my past experience, what we did was um, work with the contractor to make sure that, that the businesses and adjacent property owners, all of them, know what's going on and what to expect. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure we will do it. I don't know exactly how it happens. Okay. We actually, if I just interrupt for a second, we actually have a, a very recently updated email list of the businesses in Mottman from some of the protest activity that happened out there. So we've we've been refining that list and that's a that's an easy way for us to get messages out to people. Fantastic. Great. Thanks. So any more questions? <clears throat> so we go ahead and take a um, I don't have the actual language up. All I have is your action item. So do we um, to read the to read a motion. I don't have the lang actual language here on the agenda. It just says actions. So. Oh, um, would you like me to read it again? Yeah, if you don't mind, because probably helpful? do we need to read it in so we can um, we can vote on that. If you'll, you okay. can say so moved. I appreciate that. <laughs> the suggested motion is to authorize staff to solicit bids for construction of the 2020 pavement maintenance project and recommend the city council award and authorize the mayor to sign a public works contract with the lowest responsive responsible bidder. So moved. I will second that. Okay. All right. Okay. All in favor say aye. All right. Okay, motion passed. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Okay, now we'll move on to our next item on the agenda. Um, we'll be talking, discussing ordinance number uh, 02020-001, condemnation authorization for Capitol Boulevard and Trosper Road intersection improvements project. And we'll be hearing from Brandon Hicks. Hey, can everybody see my slide? Yeah. Yep. Well, good morning, council members. And uh, as she just mentioned, I'm here today to discuss ordinance 02020-01. Um, so today is just a discussion. We're not gonna be asking you to take any action. Um, it, it's just to go over what the ordinance is before we actually have the public meeting. And I do want to apologize. My camera's up above my head, so it's kind of it's kind of awkward. It kind of looks like I'm looking away. But, um, the purpose of Ordinance Number 02020-01 is to provide staff with authorization to acquire property by eminent domain for the Capitol Boulevard and Trosper Road project. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go out and do it, but it, it's a legal action is something that we have to do in order to 
um, proceed with the project. And then uh, just given that the agenda is full today, I know that Meredith has, has got a uh, pretty important topic that might take a little while. Um, I'm gonna be pretty quick because I anticipate that you might have some questions. Uh, before I go into detail on the condemnation authorization, I'll just quickly go over some of the project elements. And I know you're all pretty, pretty familiar with this project, so I'll be brief. Um, the main purposes of the project are relieving congestion, improving safety, and providing multimodal improvements that don't currently exist in the vicinity of the intersection. Uh, total project cost is about $14 million. This is a little bit higher than what you've seen in the past. I think we've been presenting it as $12.5 million, but we've um, looked at the comprehensive plan or the, the comp comprehensive plans for some of the utilities. We've looked at the CFPs and pulled some projects forward to accomplish them at the same time, just to make sure that we're not tearing up brand new road um, for future utility projects. Uh, this project did receive approximately $6.6 .6 million in grant funding from the Transportation Improvement Board. Uh, the remaining funds would come from the utilities for applicable costs and the transportation CFP. Uh, for the schedule, you'll see that we have completed planning um, and it, it shows to 2015 to 2017, uh, but I should point out that this was all um, initially planned with the 2011-2012 uh, uh, Capitol Boulevard uh, corridor planning work. Uh, design is actually currently going on and we're anticipating having it completed by 2021. And then we're also currently in the right-of-way phase. And we're also anticipating that being complete uh, by late 2020 or early 2021. And then the goal is to start construction by 2021, uh, which would mean it, it would be complete by 2022 because it's a two-year project. It's possible that that timeline is going to shift back a year, uh, just pending uh, right-of-way acquisition. Uh, so now moving on to the to the actual topic of why what I'm here to discuss today and that's the ordinance authorizing condemnation. Um, it is the final action by council um, which authorizes staff to um, acquire property through condemnation. Um, it does RCW requires us to that this take place at a public meeting and um, if you and other council members approve the action at the July 21 council meeting it does not mean that we're gonna go out and condemn on any properties at this time. It's just, it's a step in the process that, that makes it so that if we are unable to negotiate uh, prices with property owners, then we have this as an option really to save um, project funding and to make sure that the necessary capacity and safety project can move forward. Um, the, the processes are, are quite a bit different on this than you typically see and I'm gonna go over some more of the aspirational right-of-way acquisition uh, processes here on the next slide. So if you, you look at the, the bullet points on the left of the screen, you'll see um, what I would call the aspirational process. And it pretty much what it, what it is, is we initially send a letter to affected property owners, um, kind of telling them about the project and telling them about potential impacts to their property. Uh, I, I should probably say, even before this letter, we're working with property owners um, for months or more than likely years. 
So it isn't like they, they hear about the project as soon as we send a letter. Um, uh, but through in the right away process, the next step would be that we send out an appraiser to appraise the, the property and then we get a review appraisal so that we make sure that the appraiser is accurate. Um, then the city reviews the appraisal and authorizes our right away agent to go make offers at that appraised amount. Um, typically, it's I'd say more often than not, property owners don't accept the initial offer. There might be some negotiations back and forth. Um, and then ideally, we would land on an agreement and uh, be able to procure the property. And if we're not able to come to an agreement after repeated negotiations, that's when condemnation comes into play. And so that's why I, I've got the dashed line shown there. Now, like I said, we're having to approach things a little bit differently on this project just due to uh, timeline constraints. And so right here, you can see that we've had to shift the, the condemnation schedule up. Um, really, it's just to get the, the four or the three first steps out of the way so that we can continue negotiations. So that, that part's still in line. We're still aiming for voluntary sale or to come to some uh, mutually agreed uh, price for acquisition of the property. But what this does do is it, it puts us in a place to where we are ready to file a petition for condemnation if we're unable to uh, come to terms uh, in time for the construction schedule. Um, and then the, on this slide, this is the last slide. Like I said, I'm going to try and make it brief. Uh, this shows uh, where we are actually attempting to acquire property rights for the project. Uh, the yellow, the, so this was provided as a, um, an attachment to the staff report, but I do want to point out that a couple of the areas um, were probably miscolored and I'm going to see if I can. So I believe this area here was shaded yellow, but it is, it is a full take. And on the screen, if you see an orange color, it means that um, we, are a pri we are acquiring the property in whole, or if we're not acquiring the property in whole, then, then more than likely what we are acquiring is going to make the current use not possible. The yellow areas are less impactful, such as right here. We're really just acquiring an existing driveway and easement and turning it into public right-of-way. Um, here, we're just taking small portions on the back side of Linex and Thompson's Furniture, which have relatively minor impacts to the property. But... Here we are doing a full acquisition of um, Shalimar Suites. Here we're doing a partial acquisition in front of the pho restaurant, but because they're not going to have access to the property now, um, more than likely it, it will result in full loss of the business. Here we are acquiring the, the Sound Credit Union. And then up here, we're, we're not acquiring the entire property in the corner there, but it is likely that um, the property that we do need to acquire is going to result in loss of parking and circulation on the site so that the current use cannot continue. Um, and, and that's it. So I'm open for questions that you might have and I will unshare and I'll reshare if it turns out that I need to get some of the um, slides back up if I can get this to move. Yeah, I've, I have a question. I, from previous presentations, I recall that the Dutch brothers just would have impacted those first couple parking spots in the front. Mm -hmm. 
but that slide looks like a full take of the whole business. Is that correct? So it, it is not a full take of the business, but what has happened is the space that we do need to acquire is pulling, I believe it's 10 parking stalls. Um, so they currently would not meet the minimum number of spots for their business. And so our goal was to try and come up with some sort of a, um, uh, sort of a, a new layout for the site that would put the parking spaces somewhere else, in addition to allowing the circulation for, um, for the drive-through. And it's just not possible with their current use and the limited amount of property that they actually have there. Is they just remodeled that whole place like two years ago or something, mm -hmm. right? They, they did, and, and it's, it's, it is definitely unfortunate. They, they do have the ability to um, keep, keep the property and attempt to, to make it work, um, but because we are essentially eliminating the ability in its current layout, we are offering both to acquire just the limited amount of property that we need and to acquire the entire property and business as a whole. And that, that's a legal requirement because we're, we're sort of killing the use. And Kathy, mm -hmm. I, I am unable to, the unshare is not showing up on my screen. So if it's possible, could you do that? Yeah, well, while she's doing that, let me just add, I mean, we do, we do right of way acquisition in an incredibly complex set of rules and procedures that come from um, the State Department of Transportation, because this is a state funded project. There are lots and lots of rules that we have to follow. And um, un unfortunately, I mean, in some cases, folks are uh, willing and able and move along with uh, right of way acquisition and negotiations fairly quickly. In other cases, it sort of takes this step in order to sort of move those conversations um, along. Um, Brandon's, Brandon sort of hit on it. Um, when we talk about take of, you know, we look at those four entire pieces of property. In some of those cases, and the coffee, the Dutch brothers may be a great example, they may still be able to work out relationships with their neighbors to share parking or to, you know, sell that property to somebody else or find other ways that things can happen. It doesn't necessarily mean those buildings will be taken down and just destroyed and the property left vacant, you know, forever. You know, there's there's other uses adjacent to um, the credit union and to the faux restaurant um, who may acquire that property, who may use those buildings, who may acquire it. And same with Dutch Brothers. If du Dutch Brothers issue is about parking. So if there's some other way that we can make they can make parking work with the hotel, the Mexican restaurant, the office building, um, that that could be a possibility. The city even owns a parking lot back there. Um, also, and that could be that could be part of that conversation also. So, you know, again, they have to they have to sort of constrain the negotiation to specifically what it's about in order to support this project. But then there's some things that can happen outside of that that can keep businesses going at that at that important inter intersection. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you, Brandon. Uh, so you mentioned the Stalamar, and uh, so I'm kind of concerned about those tenants and where they're going to end up. Um, so under under law, we are required and uh, to help relocate them. So all of the tenants, what our right-of-way agents and, and what staff do is we find comparable 
units and actually go through the process of either um, assisting them to get into those units and then we pay for their moving expenses. Or um, it, in some circumstances, as an example, one tenant chose to um, purchase a, uh, a motorhome instead. And so now they don't have rent, they, they have something to live in permanently. But it, it is our responsibility to find um, places for them to live that are comparable and compensate them accordingly. Um, okay, thank you for that. And as far as the economic impact, when we eliminate these businesses, what kind of loss are we gonna experience on that? Uh, you know, I'm not certain on the economic impact. I, I would assume these are valuable pieces of property. So I would envision that it won't be long until, even if, if they're unable to come up with a, with a process to run their business, Currently, I would assume that businesses will either be rebuilt or, um, or somebody else will purchase the property and develop as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know the short-term economic impacts, um, but long-term, I would say that it's, it's probably not large to the city. Okay, and, and one other question, please. Um, so has some of these businesses have gotten letters yet, and what kind of feedback have you gotten from them? So all businesses have gotten letters. Um, we've we've um, honestly been in discussion with with all the businesses for several years. But the official letters, um, uh, in order for us to go get appraisals, we we sent those out um, over a year ago, and we have done appraisals for all the properties. We've made offers to probably about half of them, and we're in the process of making offers to the rest. Um, so they're they're all very familiar with the project, and a lot of them know what we're um, planning for compensation. And everybody's been aware. Everybody who's a full take has been aware for quite some time. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I attended the right of way meeting um, that they had with the state, um, and so that was interesting process. And 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 it, the owners that were present there were very well engaged in the process as well. So. Um, I have one more question. Um, so why, why are we, if condemnation is a backstop in case negotiations are not fruitful or successful, why are we authorizing it so far in advance before those negotiations begin? Um, so this process, although I say that it's not uh, aspirational, it's really not uncommon for projects that have many, many parcels and many property owners to work with. Uh, most projects that Tumwater does might have a, a couple of acquisition areas and a couple property owners to work with. It's rare that we have a list of parcels this extensive. Typically for most agencies, when you have something uh, where you're acquiring this many areas or portions of properties, and you do have a pretty finite construction window, um, this is actually the way that it, it is done. You, you are going through condemnation authorization um, either during or prior to some, some properties actually getting the offers. Um, and the reason it's not aspirational is it, it's kind of scary when somebody gets a, a notice that says that um, we're potentially authorizing condemnation, but um, mm -hmm. we are in communication with the people who have not received offers yet. So we're doing it a little bit differently this time in part because this is the most complex 
project we've really taken on as a city. And it sort of demands that we have these ducks in a row. Is that okay? And, it, and if I can just chime in quickly, um, the condemnation process is a lengthy one. So um, in, in order to meet our timelines, we need to get that started um, while we're doing all of this. Um, because if we wait and then try to start this later, you know, we're still looking at a potentially a two year process afterwards. So um, that's also one of the reasons. And more time drives up costs and it would cost us more money. Okay, thanks. And it potentially could lead to loss of grant funding. Got it. Thank you. All right. Any other questions? Do you need to cover anything else, Brandon? No. So this will be coming before council then um, on the 21st? You said it's on, on the agenda for the 21st? Okay. It is. And it'll be public meeting, and that's when when action would would be taken as a council as a whole. All right. Okay. We will see you again on the twenty first for this. So. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay. So I think we can move along. Um, we have our next um, agenda item is the regional environmental education two thousand nineteen year in review, and we have Dan Smith uh, making a presentation. Good morning, Council. Morning. Thank you for this. I, uh, I'm actually going to turn this over to uh, Meredith Greer. She's our uh, water resources educator, and she's been, you know, the the primary um, staff person working on um, the regional education, um, environmental education partnership, or the REAP program, as we call it. And as you guys probably know, I mean, the stream. This all started as kind of the stream team program, which is more engaged as an environmental action um, effort. Um, for the last 20, 25 years. This has been a very important partnership for us, and it's really morphed into more of a regional education program that allows us to um, uh, make sure, ensure that our messages are consistent between jurisdictions. So, you know, we know there's a lot of interplay between our residents, you know, from one jurisdiction to the other. We want to make sure that we're putting out the same information across the jurisdictions. One example of this is our pet waste program. Um, you can see the same signage in Tumwater as you would see in Lacey or Olympia. And so people have then, you know, get the idea that, oh, we need to pick up our pet waste here as well. Um, so our goal is every year is to bring um, the work plan um, to you, as well as the results from the previous year. So you have an idea of the work that's being done on a regional level, um, greater awareness, and of course, any, um, 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 any comments you might have to help strengthen that program. So I guess with that, I will turn that over to Meredith. Thanks, Dan. Good morning. So as Dan said, I'm going to be talking to you all today about the 2019 year in review for REAP, as well as the 2020 work plan update. Um, originally, the goal was to do the year in review sometime early at the beginning of this year, uh, but due to COVID, that's all changing and it kind of worked out since our 2020 work plan changed so dramatically as a result. So just a little bit of background, the Regional Environmental Education Program is a partnership that the city of Tumwater is in with the cities of Olympia, Lacey, as well as Thurston County to provide high level stormwater related education and outreach to the surrounding county. Um, it's broken into kind of two parts, stream team, which is more of the hands-on action volunteering programs, as well as the stormwater outreach group, which is a little bit more technical and focuses a lot more on stormwater specific messaging. 
In 2019, REAP was able to accomplish a number of things. We send out four quarterly newsletters every single year. One of the big things we were able to do last year was to create a brand new website, which is now mobile friendly, which is a huge plus for all of our volunteers, especially in a time when we're not necessarily able to meet in person. Having a website that's really easy to understand and for people to take anywhere they go has been a really great asset for us to ensure that we're continuing to get our messages out there. In addition, we got a new logo that grounds Stream Team a little bit more to a place. We've got Thurston County with the beautiful Olympic uh, mountain range in the background, as well as the Puget Sound. We have new engagement strategies. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and have been using Constant Contact to ensure that we're still keeping up to date with all of our volunteers. And we got a new newsletter, website, and social media coordinator who works and is able to post a, a lot more content than we ever were before and saves the regional coordinators from each jurisdiction a ton of time while being more engaging. From a stream team specific side, we are able to host a number of different events. You can see all the different ones on the left-hand side there. One of the really exciting ones for Tumwater specifically was our plankton surveys. We do these every single year. Generally, it's our What's Blooming in Bud program, but last year we decided to take it out of Bud Inlet and move it all to the different cities. We had our first ever event down at Tumwater or Brewery Park at Tumwater Falls, which had 55 attendees and got great feedback from the public thought it was a really great program and we were hoping to continue it this year. From a stormwater outreach point of view, we continued to provide pet waste inserts and the little bags on board to the Olympia Joint Animal Services. So every time a dog is adopted, new owners will get a pet waste insert reminding them to pick up pest waste and why it's important, as well as a bag so that they've got it right there. It's something easy to start picking up. In addition, we host two stormwater maintenance workshops, one for our residential community, neighborhoods, and HOAs that have stormwater uh, facilities on site, as well as one for contractors in the area to make sure that they have all the knowledge they need to better serve our community. Those are always really highly attended events. In addition, we launched our six actions for clean water. We've got web pages on our website that have great detail and information, and a lot of great resources on natural yard care, car washing, pet waste, Oops. Um, these are all really great opportunities for people to be able to learn more about simple actions that they can take every single day to help improve water quality in the Puget Sound region. A really quick by the numbers, stream team and all the jurisdictions with them were able to host 258 events in 2019 with over 35,000 attendees. We had over 2,600 volunteers who contributed over 8,000 hours of work with us. We were able to reach over 86,000 individuals with educational posts on our Facebook and Instagram and distributed over 8,000 newsletters into the community. We had all this momentum going into 2020, which was going to be the 30th anniversary of Stream Team and the 50th anniversary of Earth Year. We we're all really excited. We had great plans to continue all of this great work. And then we had to kind of adapt, as many of you are experiencing now in the time of COVID. A lot of the opportunities in education that Stream Team had been providing was hands-on workshops and things like that, things that couldn't be continued in the time of COVID. So Stream Team and REAP partners pulled together and kind of had to redo the work plan and what we were considering moving into 2020. Those have included adjusting to social distancing and making sure that we're still able to provide education and outreach while making sure that the coordinators, such as myself, are safe, but also ensuring the safety of our volunteers 
more people who attend our workshops. So we've been moving kind of like city council meetings online. We've been hosting educational webinars, including as well as classes and trainings. We are actually putting together fantastic uh, training courses that are able to engage more community members because we're hosting them on platforms that will allow people to take them at any time or at self-paced. So we're not requiring somebody to be able to be at City Hall at a specific date and time. We're actually increasing the audience members by being more flexible and having online platforms. We're also posting educational engaging, weekly engaging video series that are hopefully engaging uh, a lot of the school children that are at home and people who generally are coming out to stream to events, especially during the summer. At the bottom of the screen here, you can see an example of our really popular program, Marine Creature Monday, which used to happen down at Boston Harbor. We would get hundreds of people coming every single Monday to see stream creatures and have divers interact with them and talk about how it's really important that we protect water quality that's coming off the streets and into Puget Sound because all these amazing animals live there. Right now, we have a fantastic volunteer that actually has an underwater drone and is able to capture real-time footage of all the animals that are down in Boston Harbor. We've got a volunteer biologist who does voiceovers. We do two videos, one directed specifically for kids that is um, more engaging and a little bit, the education is a little bit at a lower level just to make it more um, applicable to them. And then a more higher level one, um, as you can see these, photo, these videos get really great engagement and are an easy way to um, ensure that other people can still get this great information. In addition, we've been sending out monthly emails and including articles and a lot of local news outlets, such as Thurston Talks. We've also been trying to send home at-home educational activities, supplementing what uh, a lot of the programs that we used to do in schools and trying to adapt to kind of at-home learning. We've been working very closely with a lot of our partners, such as South Sound Green Program, the Nisqually Education Foundation, things such as that that are really um, everybody pulling together to try and make sure that we're providing as much education as possible moving forward. In August of this year, the REAP partners will start planning for the 2021 work plan. Um, it's hard to say what exactly the outlook on volunteer activities and the health outlook of the world is going to be going into 2021. In my opinion, I think we would probably moving forward to kind of a, a hybrid approach between what we did, were able to do in 2019 and what we did in 2020 by combining you know, some socially distanced outdoor activities such as planting events or things that are able to take place with people a little spaced apart, but continuing to provide education that's online, webinars, and things that are more accessible. Um, while this change and COVID has made it definitely difficult to complete the jobs we've normally been doing, I think it's created a great opportunity for us to move things online, to figure out how exactly webinars and things like that will work, and how to make something engaging and tangible for our audience. Um, as Dan had mentioned in the beginning, we are always more than interested to hear if City Council has any programs or topics that they would really like to see us push, any suggestions or anything like that. And if anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to hear from them now. Great work. Great work, Meredith. This is really a good presentation. I appreciate your information and then having to make this work in our new, our new reality. So I appreciate that. Um, I do have a question. Um, in my walks lately, I've been going up and over Tumwater Hill and realizing, um, you know, the impact of pet waste. And so I was wondering um, if there's, I need to check next time to see if they, um, there are pests, uh, the pet bags um, along um, 
along uh, barns up and over Tumwater Hill um, if they're because I noticed um, those apartments there the impact um, along the road there there's um, quite a bit of pet waste and so um, if there's access to the bag so I am just curious about um, being able to provide that for people that are um, walking their dogs in that area if, if it doesn't already exist if that's something that we could consider providing so right now we have our pet waste program where neighborhoods can submit applications to us to get the signs you've seen as well as the bag dispensers. And the city of Tumwater currently provides the first 500 bags for free mm -hmm. and then gives them a site where they can be ordering bags. Um, in general, that's something that the property owner who puts up the sign agrees to continue to keep that uh, dispenser full of bags. I know that we've definitely had some issues with uh, keeping those full. I know some of Steve's crew have gone out and refilled bag uh, dispensers as well recently, but that's something we can definitely think about doing um, in the future. Bags don't cost that much. It's more of a, a coordination on if we can get property owners to let us know if they're out of bags or things like that. I know our, our HOA and my old neighborhood participated and we also do down here where I live now, but I was just thinking again with the number of people, because the apartments, I have to, again, I have to walk through there to see where they are, if, if the apartments themselves are providing those. Um, but it just seems like people are walking up and over, you know, that may not, anyway, I just think that maybe along the road, and I don't know if, if that's even a possibility that we can offer something closer um, along the way that along, um, I guess it would involve the property owners, the apartments as well, but just provide something as people are walking along the sidewalks there um little easier access maybe one or i don't know so just i was surprised about the amount of pet waste that i was finding as i was going for my walk so i think there isn't there a, a pet bag waste station at um jim brown park i guess that's a little bit of a different location than what you're talking about eileen but yeah i'm pretty sure and that there's bags the, available there yeah the overlook the other park at the top of the hill i I haven't, isn't it funny when you, you don't, you just go for a walk, you don't notice, and then I need to double check as I'm going on my walk, but I was just surprised at the amount of waste and um, along the way, and that, you know, if we, what we can do to help, you know, because people forget to stick a bag in their pocket as they're walking their dogs, or, um, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I just want to note, too, is that I think the Parks Department actually has um, a different style of bags, uh, bag containers that are, um, um, dependent upon also neighbors helping fill those, keeping those filled too. Um, so I think that's what we have at like Bates or Overlook Park and, um, you know, possibly, but Meredith would probably know better. I don't know off the top of my head what we have up there, but I can definitely check it out. And if we don't have something, I can reach out to the apartment complexes around there and see if anybody would be interested in us being able to hang a sign in a dispenser somewhere around there. Yeah. And I just have one comment. I don't have a question. So uh, obviously stream team is an important project for our, our area, the Thurston County area. So I'm really excited and encouraged that we're going to continue that in 2021. And I also attended the Boston Harbor event several years ago and to see the amount of kids that attend that and families and the excitement when, they, when the diver brings those uh, animals out is quite incredible. So it's good to see it that you expanded out on networking as well. So I appreciate that. Yes, and we do plan on bringing back stream team events. We're currently waiting for phase four 
of the governor's reopening to start thinking about how exactly that will work. But that's something we've been keeping our eye on and we would love to be able to get people safely out and completing restoration work, especially as fall comes around. Well, thank you. You're doing great work, Meredith. I appreciate it. Thank you. I do have a question. I noticed in one of the photos in your presentation that I think it was taken at the catchment facility down at uh, the Tamar Falls Park. Um, now, w when that new facility comes online, is there going to be greater opportunity for community education there? I'm not, I, I don't quite remember some of the different new facilities and engagement opportunities that will be a part of that. Yes, so uh, because the Olympia Tumwater Foundation owns that site, they're currently not opening it. So we're kind of waiting on them to be able to do anything down there. But we were really excited because they are done with the catchment facility. And one of the really cool things that they've done is that the fish ladder, the very end of it, they've raised it up and they've put a giant window. So it's actually right at kind of eye level. You can see the fish navigating. So in general, every fall, we do a really big outreach campaign around salmon because that draws so many people to Tumwater Falls Park and people always want to know what they can do to help with salmon and so we tailor a lot of our education to you know you can help protect water quality which helps protect the salmon which helps protect the orca that everybody's talking about right now so we had been really excited to host the return of the Chinook event which we normally do in October not sure if that will happen this year but uh, that's something definitely that we are going to be working close with them on moving forward both in the fall when the Chinook return and again in the spring when we can release those juvenile salmon back into the Deschutes. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school, I volunteered with Stream Team and we did water quality testing and then also visited a few hatcheries and that was a really formative experience for me. I won't date myself by saying what year it was, um, <laughs> but it was more than 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> but it was an incredible opportunity and it really sort of pushed me to pursue learning more about biology and chemistry and the sciences, as well as the ecological health of our community. So it, it was an invaluable formative experience for me when I was in high school. Yeah, that's fantastic. We still have our water quality program that we run through the South Sound Green. Um, that's still up and running and we were actually having a number, I think we had five to six more Tumwater teachers who are interested in rolling it out in the fall. Not sure what schools are gonna look like going back, but we're working on still making sure that kids are able to have something, whether it be take home test kits. That's something we're still working on, but it's such a great hands-on learning opportunity. And it does, we hear from people all the time that like, you know, I, when I went to school like 15 years ago, I remember doing this and it's something that sticks with people. And I think is a really great mm -hmm. way for us to make sure that we're instilling that lifelong kind of desire and knowledge about protecting water quality. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Very good. So, does anybody else have any other questions or anything else from, that you want to share, Meredith, with us today? Else? I have nothing more. Okay, all right. So, do we have anything else on that brings us to the end of our agenda? Is there anything else that we need to discuss? John, are we good? You're good. Congratulations. You have uh, made it through the city's first virtual committee meeting. <laughs> As we continue down this path of learning and growing in the virtual world. Well done. Oh, thank you. And thank you for our presentations and everybody attending and everybody that makes this work for us from our kitchens here. So thank you very much. So I appreciate your work. So, all right. So I guess with that, we are adjourned. Great. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.